0: This episode is brought to you by Galactic Fed, the award-winning digital marketing agency that I personally use and whose co-founders have both been interviewed on The Maverick Show, Zach Boyette and Irina Popik. Now, I personally use Galactic Fed for search engine optimization and conversion rate optimization, but they also offer services for email marketing, social media, website design, paid media, and more. They're basically a full-service, end-to-end growth marketing solution. And they were founded by two digital nomads as a fully remote company, which now has 150 staff in 27 countries, so they understand remote entrepreneurs. What I love about working with Galactic Fed is, first of all, their team is fun and amazing, and I'm smiling and laughing on pretty much every call that we have, but I also love their scientific approach to growth marketing. They've worked with companies of all sizes and industries, ranging from edible arrangement to pix art, and they've developed battle-tested digital marketing solutions that produce results that are scalable and repeatable. And Galactic Fed now wants to help you grow your business. They're offering you a completely free marketing plan for your business, which you can get at galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com. And if you do decide to work with them, like I do, just mention the Maverick Show and you'll get 10% off your first month of services. To learn more and get your completely free marketing plan, just go to galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com. And now here's a clip from what's coming up on today's episode.
1: Just go. It's not as scary as you thought. It's not as expensive as you thought. Yes, Black people go there. We go everywhere. (laughs) And when you realize it, when you start traveling the world, this is the most beautiful thing is people love Black people when we're traveling the world. And it's such an amazing experience to be able to feel it when you're traveling abroad and people's like, wow, you're so beautiful.
0: today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Charisma Shackleford. She is an African-American world traveler, entrepreneur, business coach, and founder of Color Me World, a global travel lifestyle and empowerment community primarily for black and brown world travelers. The Color Me World community represents the underrepresented traveler of color demographic and is made up of over ten. Thousand trendsetters, innovators, entrepreneurs, creators, influencers, and change makers, all with a passion to unplug from the norm and elevate their mindset, health, wealth, power, and freedom. Color Me World also hosts group trips, retreats, and events that immerse their members in culture. "...adventure, spirituality, wellness, creativity, and giving back." Born in Los Angeles, California, Charisma has been to over 35 countries, including world-schooling her son in 15 of those countries." Charisma also organizes Moving Forward, an anti-racist town hall for the travel industry, a series focused on solutions-oriented dialogue for Black creators, allies, and brands to discuss actionable steps to foster anti-racism in the travel industry. Featured in Forbes and named a changemaker by Business Insider Magazine, Charisma is committed to inspiring today's generation to cultivate a conscious life filled with true freedom purpose and fun charisma welcome to the show
1: (laughs) thank you thank you for having me i am actually smiling from ear to ear hearing all of the amazing things that you have said about me i'm like what is that all me but thank you
0: That is definitely all you and you are doing amazing things and you deserve to have all of them said and promoted because you are up to some super awesome stuff that I'm really excited to dive into during this interview. But first of all, we should just set the scene because we are not in person today doing this interview, unfortunately. So let folks know where we are tonight and what we are drinking because you and I have agreed that this would be a wine night. So I I will go first. I am actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, And I have opened a bottle of Pinot Noir from the northern part of Italy, and I will be drinking through that tonight. But where are you, Charisma, and what are you drinking?
1: I am dead smack right in the middle of Los Angeles. If any of you have ever been here, I'm right across the street from the Grove. So if you want to get any more central, I am there. And I am enjoying a glass of Pinot Grigio, and mine is from Santa Barbara. Actually, it was a gift that someone actually sent to me last week. So I'm just popped it open and going to enjoy this glass. Our glasses, is for tonight.
0: Well, we should start off just by giving props to your amazing city. I lived in L.A. for seven years and I have missed it every day since moving out. And when I first moved to L.A., I was actually right there on Melrose, like walking distance from the Grove. I mean, this is like a section of the city. I've lived in a few different parts of the city during my seven years, but that's a section that definitely is near and dear to my heart because it was actually the first place in the city
1: that I lived when I moved there. Yeah, it's definitely for, for many others, it's a great destination for me, as many countries as I've been to and places that I travel to, I still love to call it home.
0: Yeah, it's an amazingly special city. And I think it has just some of the most spectacular things of any city in the world. Like, it's fine, even though you travel the world and you appreciate all these great things about other places in the world, you can still appreciate some extraordinary things about L.A. that are completely unique. And I tell everybody that they should visit and that they should put it on their list. I mean, it's one of my favorite all-time world cities, even with everything else included to this
1: day. Yeah, and one of my favorite things is, I guess, because I relate to it so much, it's it's a melting pot like me. It's, it's all these different people from all parts and walks of life. And we're all just mixed together. You walk down one corner and you're in little Ethiopia. You turn the next corner and you're in, like you're in another neighborhood with a totally different demographic. But yet we're all just intertwined with one another and living happily as we can be.
0: I do love that. So I would love to start a little bit with your background charisma. And even if you want to go way back and share a little bit about your family history and how that has shaped your identity and your sense of purpose today.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Before I was even born, I've come to realize that you know, God had a big purpose for this l- human being that he was going to bring into this world. And I'm a really proud Black woman by way of my ancestors who were taken from West Africa and brought to Haiti, who they mix and mingled with Spaniards. And then we were sold off to the Shackleford Plantations in America, which actually still exists down South today. And that's still my name today. And once slavery ended, my ancestors actually migrated and settled in Louisiana for some time. And then in the late 1960s, during the Great Migration to California, like the Bay Area, my grandmother moved my father and my siblings to Oakland. Then they moved to Los Angeles, California, where my father met my mother. And it's where I still reside today. So that's my dad's side. And then my mother's side, I'm also, I, I, I tell everyone I'm a proud Hungarian Jewish woman. And by way of my mother, who was primarily raised by my grandfather, who survived the Holocaust and moved to the USA to start a new life. So I have like this struggles, but yet triumphs on both sides. And I am very unapologetic about loving every piece of me. And I believe that that has a direct reflection on how I view the world is I love every single piece. Person, we all bleed red. At the end of the day, I cheer for the underdog and excuse my language. But if you're fucking with someone, I'm going to be that girl that's going to like be having their back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's just not going to happen. And I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, it doesn't really matter. And it's so crazy because you don't really pay attention to all of these things that you're doing and, and, and until you become a mom. And it really hit me over the pandemic when my son got to experience right outside where we live, we had the riots that happened here right after one of the protests. And my son and I were stuck dead smack in it. We're walking down the street and I'm on my phone trying to tell people what was going on. And someone grabs me, pulls me to the ground. And then there's the rubber bullets being shot by the police. My son and I are walking back and he goes, mom, what is it going to take? Do we have to go and fight against another planet for people to realize that we're all human beings? And I just stopped and I was like, that is how I have always felt. And I've never had that conversation with him, but he's a direct reflection for me. They say the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and he too felt it. And yeah, it's a direct reflection of what I do in life. I I wake up every day. I just want to empower Everyone, and it's especially my black and brown communities, because we have been underrepresented. We've been left out. And a fun fact that I loved sharing at the Moving Forward event, the series that I did was people don't really understand why it was so relevant that these things occurred in 2020. Well, if you looked at the U.S. census and started to pay attention to what was happening around the world, for the first time, people of color became the majority. So- My family history, it all goes into my passion and love for everything that I'm doing today.
0: Yeah. Well, I love the way that you articulated that charisma because my politics are exactly the same as yours. And I distill it down to the very simple principle that you just articulated, which is if someone is being oppressed or they're being bullied or they're being mistreated, they're the low power group in a particular situation, you support that group, (laughs) You know, and in some cases, you know, they might be in a totally another situation or in another period of history. Maybe they're the high power group and maybe they're the ones oppressing somebody, in which case you support the ones that they're oppressing, right? Like I'm a, a Irish American, right? So that's my heritage. So in Ireland, we have an entire history of a struggle against British colonialism. Ireland was Britain's first colony. Actually, That. Occupied six counties in the Northeast Ireland remain Britain's last colony. They're still there. And there's been this ongoing struggle against colonialism in Ireland. But then in other contexts, if there's Irish Americans who become part of, let's say, The New York Police Department and start brutalizing black folks and like all this kind of stuff. Well, no, that's a problem. Now your group is, you know, is participating in an oppressive institution and you need to stand against the oppressive institution, whether it's the British military abusing Irish people in Ireland or it's the NYPD abusing black folks in New York if you take a principled approach to it, I mean, it's basically like what we all learn in preschool and kindergarten, you know, like if someone's being bullied or being abused or being oppressed, you stand with that group. I mean, it seems pretty simple,
1: pretty simple for us. Some people, unfortunately, and I pray and I hope that we begin to see change and, or as I say that we have a dirty glass of water, the more clean water we pour into it, hopefully we'll get that dirty water out. But yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I love travel, because to me, the more I traveled, the more I got to learn about more cultures and their differences, I became so much more understanding. And it was like, oh, that person wasn't being rude and bumping me out of the way. They bump everyone. That's what they do in their culture. They don't say, excuse me, may I please, where like what we're accustomed here to here in the USA. They just life differently. So you don't tend to take things as personal.
0: Well, I would love to hear a little bit about how your interest in travel initially developed. Can you talk a little bit <laughs> about your experience growing up in L.A. and how you got interested in world travel?
1: Yes. Yeah, so growing up, I was watching the show called Reading Rainbow. And in, many people know it, it was on TV and they would literally read these books and then on the page that had a destination, they would jump into it. And all of a sudden, so if Paris was on the page, they jump and they were in Paris. So my mom has video of me jumping on books <laughs> that had destinations. And I'm jumping hard and I'm pr- like closing my eyes and praying. And I'm like, it's not working. I believe that I can jump into the books and so I just wanted to go to these destinations and that is where my love came from is watching this reading rainbow and then finding out about all these wonderful destinations but then on the flip side when I talked about it my mom would tell me she goes Christmas get those thoughts out of your head we don't have enough money for that or my dad said the family was like black folks don't go there and I'm like why not so I had this burning desire but I had this underlining belief that I couldn't afford it and I didn't belong there. And so it took me a long time. I didn't start traveling until I was in my 20s, actually late 20s. So I became a mom and then I started, all of a sudden it was, no, it's not for me. Let's let's figure out how to take him. And it took someone that was doing network marketing for a travel club. And all I saw on the thing, and I was like, wait, it, those cruises are $69 plus port and tax fees for five days and six nights. And I was like, I can afford that. All of a sudden, I saw different destinations for just a few hundred bucks. And I was like, I can afford that. And so I signed up and I joined and I started going on trips. And all of a sudden, I just started sharing my photos on Instagram. And I didn't realize that people were following and watching the things that I was doing. And I was just having fun. And then I started taking my son. Like, all of a sudden, I realized, wait. I can go here and take him there. So we just kept going to more and more places because it wasn't all of a sudden that that belief that I couldn't afford it was gone. I wanted to go more because I was like, wow, my friends don't want to go. And there's not as many Black people when I'm traveling. Why aren't there? Let me try to figure out how to get more. And then come to find out like this travel club was was majority (laughs) Black and Brown people. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. But I still saw people having the problem of, well, I'm not traveling because I don't have money. And I was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to create a community. I'm going to teach you guys what I'm doing. This So out of that travel club, I got a BMW out of it, made some residual income out of it. And then I ended up at the Los Angeles Travel Show. And I'll never forget because I I went there and with the intention of selling memberships. And this young lady came up to me and she goes, hey, we're having a women's travel convention that starts tomorrow. You should come. And I was like, how many women? And She said 500. I was like 500 more women than I can get to go buy my travel club. But what I didn't realize is that I said I wanted to start a community to help people make money. But I walked into this women's event and I was like, wait, there's 500 women and not one of them do network marketing. They're blogging. I soon to come found out that I had 10,000 followers and I could get paid for those followers that were on my Instagram, sharing the stories that I was sharing. They were photographers, digital content creators, had their own online travel business. These, these are women in, in the travel space that were creators. And I went home and one year later I was making an income full time. And I called, began to call myself a work from anywhere coach. Because I wanted to show other people what it was I was doing and then began creating a community so that we can not just travel, but elevate our lives. You got to change your mindset if you want to get out there and go and do something different. And usually when you start traveling, your like your health improves. Like you just so I wanted to encompass all of that into the community and just help others.
0: So when you started coaching other folks on the location independent entrepreneurial journey uh, and all of that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, over time now, since you've coached a number of people, what are some of the biggest challenges or obstacles that people have that they come to you with and how do you coach them through those and help them overcome those?
1: I would say the number one biggest thing that I've encountered is the lack of belief the lack of believing that they can do it. And I've coached some students all the way through building their brand, getting it together. And they just sat on it. And I was like, well, what are you doing? You have all the tools, all the resources. Well, nobody will sign up. Nobody's, I think there's too many coaches out there doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, there's billions of people in there. If you just stick your finger in there and just lick it, you can have all, all your doors would be open. So I started just talking more about manifestation because that was the light bulb that went on for me. And I remember how I unintentionally helped my son. He was coming home with D's and F's in school, having a, not enjoying school whatsoever. He was like, mom, I'm not going to go to college. I don't really want to do all those things. School's not for me. And I was like, well, why? And he was like, it's just not fun. And I was like, well, school is fun. And then he was like, no, I like skateboarding. And I was like, all right, cool. So I've been reading on the, the, the laws of attraction and realizing that it was working for me. And I was like, I've never even shared this stuff with my son. So I was like, let me share it with him and let's see if this works. So I sat him in front of the TV and I said, hey, we're going to watch a movie together and I want you to take some notes. And mind you, over the years, he's been to like motivational stuff with me. So he got a little bit of background from that. However, we watched the law of attraction And when it was done, he turned to me, he goes, mom, so you're telling me that if I want to get good grades, first, I have to believe that I have good grades and I have to see the good grades happening before they actually become true. And I was like, yeah, this dude within two semesters went from D's and F's to A's and B's. Wow. His light bulb went on because now he believes that he can do it. So yeah, I just started applying the tactics that I have sharing with my son that I had learned. But just understand that you do have the power to change your everything that's happening. Everything that's happening is a direct reflection of your thoughts and those that the things that you think about the most manifest.
0: I want to ask you to build a little bit on your parenting philosophy. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the concept of world schooling just in general. What does that mean? And also, then, why has that been such an important part of parenting for you?
1: Yeah. So world schooling, it wasn't intentional at first. It was a direct reflection. I had a second born son and he passed away when he was a month old. Sometimes it's really tragic events that have to change you forever. And I became an individual that valued my time and experiences with people more than I had ever done before. So all of a sudden, I did not want to travel without my son. And I wanted to spend and pour as many memories as I could because I was like, I don't know if tomorrow's guaranteed. That's where it started from. But what I realized. On our travels is that when he came back, we would write notes, but he started remembering the things that he was doing. And then he went to school. This is where it became very eye opening is he went to school one day. and He was like, Mom, my teacher is going to call you. And I was like, why? He was like, because she's upset with me. And I said, why? He goes, because I told her she was wrong. And I was like, well, what happened? So he's telling her about an experience that he had in Italy. And she's showing him some photos. And he was like, no, that's wrong. And she goes, how do you know? And he goes, because I've been there. But I realized that he was learning things that history books could have not have taught him. But then he started coming back. And when he was writing an essay to go into private school and talking about the experience and the fact that we were in Costa Rica and he said, People on welfare in the USA make more money than people make in an entire year in another country. And he had he was being waited on by a 12-year-old girl at the time, and he was about 10, 11. He was like, Mom, she doesn't get to go to school? And then he was like, she has to work. So he had maybe a 50, 20 or $50 bill that I had given him, and he gave it to her. And that was like a really big deal for her. And I think it was 17, 18 cents per hour that they made. So it's just this world schooling thing. And I realized that it was shaping this young African-American man to have a different outlook on life. So here he was hanging out with his friends one day, they're heading to downtown Los Angeles. They're in the alley and there's some bums and his friends are throwing stuff and he goes, stop. He was like, why don't you have more compassion? And they was like, since when do you like bums? And he was like, we're all the same. And he was like, in another country, he's rich. You just don't know it. So I realized the more that I was traveling, I was like, oh, this kid is getting an education that I can't give him in school but he's learning love and compassion. And then he started, I realized that we were traveling, he was buying things and bringing them back home and selling them. So he was learning how to sell goods and buy them international trade. Like he was doing some really fun stuff. And I just started talking about my friends and I was like, we gotta start world schooling these kids. And from there, my friends kept saying, well, we can't take our kids out of school that long. And I was like, aha, you can. And I found out that there was a law here in California and most states have them where- your kid can be taken out of school up to four weeks and the school has to homeschool them. And this allows the kids to go back to their home countries. But for those those of that the U.S. is our home country, use that and go take a month long vacation. Do it around a holiday. So we would do it around the Thanksgiving where the school was off for a while or we would do it around Christmas. And that gave us over a month. So a couple of days travel there, a month we were there and a couple of days travel back. And according to school, we didn't miss a day of school. We were, but he was out getting educated instead of having to sit in the classroom for a while.
0: That's amazing. So can you talk a little bit about how you select your destinations? And then what is your sort of total, you know, travel cadence and duration, you know, now? Like what's sort of your routine in terms of how often you travel and for how long? And how do you pick your destinations?
1: Yeah. How do I pick my destinations? Gosh. I don't even think I have a rhyme or reason sometimes. It changes. It's really this thoughtful thing. I do love going to third world countries, things that are not so modern, because I do like history. And I do love seeing things that are really old compared to the USA. Because the USA, like we're young, like we are babies compared to some of these other countries. So like when choosing India, It was the culture, it was the history, it was the religion that I wanted to learn. So it was things that were going to enrich me. And then also, it's a place that I knew that I can also give back. So it's another thing that I do is wherever I go, I take a little piece of my time And I try to find somewhere that I can pour back into that community versus just taking out of it.
0: I love that. Can you share a little bit now about your experience in India? I know you and your son went there together and spent about a month there. I always love asking people about their (laughs) travels to India because it always produces some of the most interesting and usually amazing and transformative travel experiences. So how was your experience and what did you guys do and see there?
1: Gosh, let's say India will be one that I will never forget. And it began with me losing my luggage. And I landed in India with my Lululemon pants and jacket on, which were very tight. And my son and I were walking around town and men were gawking and whistling. And he was like, Mom, these guys are so rude. And then someone had to pull me aside and they was like, you're like walking around in your underwear. And so I went to the nearest store. Someone took me over to the store near the Taj Mahal and I bought some traditional Indian dresses. And all of a sudden they stopped. But then my son goes, mom, everyone said that this was going to be like the most stinkiest place. Like it's the armpit of the world. And he was like, where's it going to stink? And he goes like, Cause all I smell is good Indian food. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't smell bad to me. We like we couldn't wait to eat. But one of our uh Really interesting stories is with the other part was people kept saying, don't get on these buses. Be careful because you're a single woman hanging out. My son at the time, maybe he's about six, seven years old. He was young. He couldn't protect me. But we got on one of these buses because I didn't want to fly from place to place. I wanted to see everything live. So we got on a sleeper bus. And by the way, you have to be a local to book the buses. So I had to find a local that I could trust to take me to a place to give my money to so I can buy tickets because he had to, a stranger had to do these things for me. Um, cause I didn't have, cause you needed a Indian credit card to be able to do these. And then he charged a little bit more on top of that, but we got in this bus and we're the only Americans there can't speak a lick of language there. Like it is a large barrier. And so we're going and then we stop at a place, we get some food, everything's going great. And then we're driving and driving. And all of a sudden we stop in the middle of nowhere. At least I thought it was in the middle of nowhere. And my son goes, "Mom, do you have that pepper spray?" And he was, like, "I think this is, oh my gosh, the police are out there." And he was like, "I think we're going to get robbed," because this is what everyone kept saying. They was like, "You know, be careful." You no, know, by the time we got off, we was at our final destination. We was just not too far from where we needed to go, but we overcame like these fears of traveling in a place unknown. I took them to other places. It was really interesting that one of our tour guides took us to the Ganges River and took us over to where they were cremating the bodies. And my son went, oh, mom, why are they showing me this? He had never seen death before. And to them, a totally different culture, like that was something that everyone saw. And it was okay. One of the other things he loved was the cows. And the sheep that just ran freely amongst the streets. And I remember one time the cow came up behind me and like kind of nudged his head, said, excuse me, ma'am. And my son was like, oh, mom, watch out. The cow's trying to get by. So it was just all these fun and different experiences. And it was the total opposite of what we had heard. It didn't stink. People were nice we didn't get robbed on the bus going to destination to destination when we actually got there. One of the little two toots was like, Hey, we'll take you to your, your hotel. Yeah. We've had such amazing experiences and I'm just, I knock on wood all the time. So very blessed.
0: That's amazing. So how often are you and your son taking trips together? Like what's sort of your travel cadence at this point? I mean, notwithstanding the pandemic, obviously, I mean, pre-pandemic, what was sort of your travel cadence?
1: Yeah. So pre-pandemic, I would take him on at least a month long vacation out of the country every summer or we would go like around the holidays. We would go somewhere. And in between there, I would take him on a few trips here within the country or something that I can get to really quickly that we can go to four or five days and get back. Total pre-COVID, I was doing total of about eight trips. So that month long, in addition to another seven more. And when COVID hit, I didn't stop. I, di- I just stopped leaving the country. <laughs> and so we just went from planes to getting in the car and we just started driving. And I found out that California is much more beautiful than I realized and fell in love with Sedona, Arizona and went up to Lake Tahoe, like I, places that I was like, wait, these are sitting in our backyard. Did a Santa Barbara trip with him, stayed in a beautiful, beautiful place. And he's like, Mom, this place is bigger than our entire house. I love vacation. So, yeah, we didn't stop. We just did it differently.
0: So how old is your son now? And also, since you've been doing this for so many years and you've taken him to 15 different countries all over the world, what do you think he would say has been the impact on him of all of this world travel if he was to reflect on it well what what would he say would have been the impact on him
1: so i would say that the impact that he says that travel has had on him is to understand that we're all human beings it's it it goes back to that little saying he was like what do we have to do fight against another world to realize that we're all human beings we all bleed red and i just think it really gave him a worldly understanding. And when he has conversations with people, it also has made him confident because he understands like, no, I've been there. And so he has these different conversations and, or he'll tell his friends. And this is the part that was really funny because he has a couple of friends that are from Beverly Hills, which is where he went to elementary school most of his life. He goes, mom, mom my friend so-and-so, you know, they haven't been outside the country because I told, and I told him he has to go get cultured because, you know, just because you have lots of money, <laughs> you have to go get cultured. <laughs> well, he's That's having these, these really confident conversations with others, and which is what I love.
0: That's so awesome. Well, I want also to ask you about the event series that you organized called Moving Forward, an anti-racist town hall for the travel industry. Can you talk about, first of all, just sort of what inspired you to organize this event? And then what was the event?
1: Yeah. So let's go back to that conversation when I was telling you I was at the travel show and I met this girl that invited me to this all women's travel convention. That convention was called Women in Travel Summit WITS. And it was put on by Wonderful. And Wonderful is the same company today that I partnered with to do the Moving Forward event. We have a really close relationship with one another. I'm very intricately involved in the community. I love it hands down. Again, it's another segment of underrepresented travelers that needed to have a voice. And I strongly believe that, you know, women are some of the biggest decision makers when it comes to travel. So the founder, Beth, and I were having a conversation about everything that was going on with 2020. And I told her and I was like, we need to have an uncomfortable conversation. People, it's time. And so I'm okay with having uncomfortable conversations. And she was like, well, I don't want to lead it. And I was like, I'll do it. These conversations need to be had. And swiping them under the rug wasn't going to start solving solutions. It was going to just continuously make the matters that were at hand even worse. So we got together, had some conversations and decided we were going to put it on and voila. And I'll tell you, after the first event, we had a sponsor that backed out that was like, you know what, that didn't align with them. And I was totally okay with it. But the people that were there, they was like, wow, that was really uncomfortable. But thank you. Thank you for realizing that some white folks was like, I didn't realize that the things that I was doing was racist. My own friends were listening in and they was like, I had no, like, you don't have any idea that some of the things that you were doing, what effect it was having on another human being. But yet you were calling this person your friend and she was black, but you were doing racist things. So these conversations had to come to the forefront. So we, the very first one, we separated the Black community from the white community. And we had different conversations because there's also conversations that we can't have together yet. And then we brought them all together and we started having these conversations one by one. And we had a series of three of them, and that has actually led to me sharing with wonderful that I had wanted to not continue on doing moving forward, but let's talk about how we travel. And so we can continue to have those conversations, but within a different space and talking about the many different underrepresented segments that exist within the travel space and to not end the conversation. And I'm really excited because on June 29th, you can go to she's wonderful.com and That will be the first live segment. We're going to be doing it on their YouTube page and voila, we're going to have these uncomfortable conversations, but now we're going to have them with different segmented groups.
0: That's really, really important stuff that you are doing. I'm super excited for the show to come out. And I'm wondering if you can just share maybe a little bit more about the types of conversations that took place at Moving Forward and some of the main takeaways that came out of it as you reflect back on it, if you can, you know, share whatever sort of you think some of the most impactful things were to come out of it or some of the, you know, important things that came out of it.
1: Yes. So a lot of it had to do with the creators and the space. And a lot of people didn't want to have conversations about the fact that, white creators were getting paid more than black creators for doing the same exact thing. And, or there was a group of individuals, they didn't realize they were doing it. Some of them, some of them did, but they were intentionally keeping out other segments of races because they were keeping the money for themselves. So you had all these things going on, but then you had the white men at the top of these companies that weren't allowing change. So people were wanting to have the change. So we started to have these uncomfortable conversations, which led to some really amazing things that came out of that. And, you know, talking about how much did you make from that campaign? And we talked about transferring the information. I was letting people know that if you had a tool, a resource that you wanted to share with the Black community, and you haven't shared it before, Let's go and give it to everyone. Let's go and level the playing fields because I don't believe that everyone should get paid the same just because everyone should get paid the same. But if my worth, the value that I'm giving you as a Black woman is the same as hers as the white woman, I should not be getting paid less. You should not be telling me that all you're going to offer me is you know $5,000 for this campaign, but you offered her for the same exact deliverables $10,000 for that campaign. So those were some of the conversations that 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 were being had, but then bringing the brands into the conversation, too, and holding them accountable so that they were doing the things that they needed to do to work with the creators so that we can change this story that was being put out to the world. It's not just white women that travel. It's not just white men that travel.
0: Yeah, I think that's super, super important work that you are doing. Really, really awesome. I also, of course, now want to ask you about Color Me World. Can you talk about what led up to the founding of Color Me World and what it's all about?
1: Yes. Color Me World is my other baby. So I have my son and then I have my baby. And Color Me World is just that. It's a community that is colorful in regards to the color of our skin It is colorful as in it is enlightening and it makes people smile. We're having really highly elevated conversations in there. And it just spun off of the things that I wanted to have. And I started talking to people and they wanted it too. So back when I said I was doing the network marketing and I realized that people wanted to learn how to make money, originally I called it Travelpreneur Life. But then I realized it was bigger than just teaching people how to be entrepreneurs that were traveling. We had to do mindset changes. People were like, oh, well, I can't get that travel credit card because my credit sucks. All right, cool. So we brought in a credit expert, helping everyone to turn around their credit, giving them all all the information. All right, cool. I have my credit in there, but I can't seem to save because every time I'm saving, something else happens over there. Fine. We have a generational wealth expert in there and literally has taught, not just everyone, but she taught me too like how to make enough money off of investments so that you can just travel off your investment money. You don't even have to touch the money that you're getting from work. And then people was like, well, I can't travel because of my health. You know, whenever I travel, I get sick. So I was like, cool, we're going to bring in a health and wellness person. And she goes around the world and she finds herbs t- to heal. So at all of these objections that people were coming with as to why they weren't traveling, we just kept looking for the solutions. But what I realized is, it, you didn't have to travel. Some people just wanted to elevate their lives in general. And so when it transformed from Travelpreneur life to colony World, it became about the human experience that happens when you decide that you want to travel and elevate your life. Empowerment, all this happens together. Because I believe that us people that travel, like we beat to a different drum. Like we're conscious. We're like, we're just doing things just a little bit different. So That's what Color Me World is. It's a community of experts that are like we're out there, change makers out there changing the world and finding more people that want to do the same. And it starts with you, the person that you're looking at in the mirror.
0: So you've got a lot of this virtual content. You've got these experts. And then once we are in a post pandemic world, can you talk a little bit about the actual trips that you are involved with?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's one thing being virtual, but there's another thing being in person. So we put together some conscious trips so that you're going out there and having an elevated experience, being around other people that are wanting to manifest and doing just different types of things. You're traveling with people of color. You're traveling people that are like minded with right in alignment with you. But even if you don't want to travel, we have, you know, city groups. So we can meet up in our city and we can do fun things within your local, like you can have this tribe wherever you're going. And the really awesome thing is that, you know, you're connected to the community on your phone. And let's say I go to Dubai, I can open up my phone and I can see members that are within 30 miles of me and I can go, hey, I'm in Dubai too. What are you doing? So you have this, you can travel alone, but you're never traveling alone. You're traveling with the Color Me World community always at your fingertips.
0: I love that. I want to ask you to build a little bit on this concept of being a conscious traveler. What tips do you have for folks on how they can be a more conscious traveler moving
1: forward? I would say the very first thing that you need to do to be a conscious traveler is really think about your actions before you do them. And I'm not just talking about against other human beings, but other animals. One of the most Devastating things that, like, I was pissed. We were in um, Thailand going to Monkey Island. And when we got there, I'm literally watching someone hand a monkey beer and he's holding McDonald's in the other hand. And stop for a minute, take yourself out of that situation and be like, if I was the monkey, would I be able to survive long term? Without these things that you humans are giving me, you're putting toxins in, into that little guy's body and and you're forever changing him. When you're going to another country and you see a little 11-year-old girl working, think about it. If you got a couple extra bucks, give it to them. Because what you have, that little bit, means a whole lot more to me, to them than it does to you. You may leave them 10,000 rupees or whatever it is, and to you, it was 10 bucks, but to them, that was probably their rent for a month or two, whatever that means. And just really like, just just step outside of yourself. And just whenever you're having that conversation with someone else is, I like to think about how would I feel if the roles were reversed? And I'm looking at the person that had everything. How would I want them to treat me? And I do that all the time. Like if I met the most wealthiest person in the, in the world, how would I want them to treat me? Well, you would want to treat them to treat you with love, respect, understanding, compassion. Well, treat those other individuals, those animals. When I go into a space, I ask permission to that land for me to come and enter that space. And just think about these things before you're doing it, because everything is living. And I love that my son learned this concept when we went to Hawaii, because I kept telling him and I said, do not take sand. Don't take the rocks. We got to ask permission to do anything. And specifically, our tour guide said, do not take rocks because, you know, this is the place that you don't want to do it. So we're on our flight heading back to LA and literally the plane goes and it drops. And then, and then the ship plane shaking and my son goes, Mom, Mom, it's all my fault. And I said, why? He goes, I stole the rocks. He never touched a rock or anything from another piece of land without asking... For permission. And so like, you got to have these understandings, like this is God's world and you need to ask permission and be respectful in every place that you go. And to me, that's the conscious travel. It's just thinking before you're doing.
0: I want to build on that a little bit as well and ask you specifically for your tips on how people can be more eco-friendly World travelers and what things people should keep in mind and how they can be more eco friendly in their world travels.
1: Yes, I'm still trying to figure out how to be more eco friendly when we're traveling by plane. Other than when I get to a destination, I try to use more local travel than going from plane to plane to plane. When you're in like a place like India, use a tutu, use one of the places that maybe the it's a horse carriage or just something you do something to ride a bicycle. When you're going out, look for hotels and restaurants that are participating and using recyclable goods are things that are eco friendly. And then when you're packing your bags, use eco friendly products. Like it just, it all has to go around. Like my straws have been around the world with me. I have baggies that are reusable that they have been around for a while. So I'm not dumping this garbage off along the way. Just be very mindful. It's just paying attention to how much garbage is going out there and the little role that we can do and how that actually transforms to the other person because i only learned it because i was watching her name was hey ashley renee and i was like wow she's doing all this sustainable travel and all these so i'm like wow i want to do it too but because she shared it and she's sharing what she's doing it rubbed off on me which rubbed off on another person and so forth so share what you're doing with the next person so that they become knowledgeable too
0: well, first of all, shout out to Ashley Renee. She's a very good friend. She's been on the podcast. So Maverick Show listeners know her. And uh, we had an amazing discussion about eco-friendly travel and all sorts of other stuff. So she is definitely an amazing person uh, and resource for, for all of that as well. Charisma, I want to ask you sort of big picture now. When you reflect back on all of the travel that you've done and the impact that, you, that it's had on you, why do you continue to travel. What do you get out of it at this point in your life? What does travel mean to you?
1: Travel calms me down. Travel is like, it's my drug. (laughs) Like I need it. I can't live without it. But it also, I realized that when I go, my happiness, my fulfillment is exchanged and put out to the world. And a great example of what I'm going to say is I was in the grocery store shopping with my son a few years ago, and this where the guy's ringing up my groceries, and the lady in front of me, she went to go pick up her bags to leave, and she goes, I know you from somewhere. She goes, are you an actress? And I was like, no, not at all. Well, my girlfriend that was in line with me, she was like, I'm an actress. And she goes, no, no. She's like, I, I, I know you from somewhere. And then she was like, are you got to have charisma? And I was like, Yeah. And my son's like, oh, no, mommy, you're <laughs> well, you're going to become famous, too. And then she goes, I wake up every morning. She goes, your motivational quotes. She goes, how was India? She goes, is that Sinkwa? She goes, oh, my God, he's gotten so big. And I was like, wow, it was giving me peace of mind. But for someone like that, she couldn't travel and she doesn't travel. But she's like, I vicariously travel through you. I wake up every morning looking for something inspirational. And she was like, and I love following you. And so that made me feel good because it was more than just realizing that I was traveling, but through sharing my travels and my positivity and my outlooks on life, I was helping other people to go through whatever they were going through, too. So
0: that is awesome. What tips do you have, Charisma, for black and brown travelers in particular and maybe especially folks that are at the earlier part of their world travel journey?
1: One, go get your damn passport. You can't go anywhere without it. And number two, if you have an excuse, go and find someone that you have a conversation with. Don't talk to negative Nancy. Don't like, don't talk to anyone. Go find someone out there that has traveled and let them tell you all the reasons why you should travel because you just need to go. No excuses. Just go. It's not as scary as you thought, it's not as expensive as you thought yes, Black people go there. We go everywhere. <laughs> and when you realize it, when you start traveling the world, this is the most beautiful thing is people love Black people when we're traveling the world. Oh, and it's such an amazing experience t- to be able to feel it when you're traveling abroad and people's like, wow, you're so beautiful. And yeah, you just got to go out there. And I just say Just do it and surround yourself. Put yourself in a community. It could be Color Me World. And I'm going to give shout outs to some of my other favorite ones, Travel Noir, No Madness Travel Tried. But there was other Black travel communities. I am not the only one. I am not the founder of this. I love Evie (laughs) Avita and what she did in re-sparking this movement because the movement happened way before any of us were even born. We had people that were traveling the world, but... Just go out there and do it and find a community that resonates with you because one of the problems that many people say, well, I don't have anyone that wants to travel with me. Trust me, there's a lot of people out there that would want to travel with you and they look like you, talk like you and want to go out there and travel with you.
0: Yeah, shout out to Avita Turquoise Robinson as well. She is a good friend and has also been on the show. So, Maverick Show listeners know Avita. And that's actually how you and I connected Charisma because you were speaking at her Audacity Fest event uh, and we connected through that. So, a lot of amazing people doing amazing things in the space. Let me ask you this as well. What tips do you have for white travelers on how they can be better allies?
1: First off, go educate yourself. Don't turn to a Black person to try to get educated. Go and try to do the work yourself first. And then when you have questions and you want to have the conversation, you're going to come to the table with a different mindset because you need to go read some stories on the things that have been done so that you can let that guard down and then be okay with have been had made made mistakes in the past and Just take accountability for it and just be like, you know what? I realize that I may have done some racist things in the past. I may or may not have been aware of them, but I'm making a pledge today that I am going to make a conscious effort to not continue to be that same person. Period. From there, when you see a Black traveler, a Brown traveler, a handicapped traveler, whatever kind of traveler it is that is having any kind of difficulties, and specifically Black travelers right now, because it is as sad as it sounds. As much as that has happened in 2020, we haven't even begun to rip the Band-Aid off of that huge scar, that wound that is there. It hasn't even begun to heal yet. It's going to take a long time. But when you see someone that is being treated misfairly, someone's being racist towards them, stand up. Be that voice that is going to be unapologetic and do the right thing because that's another human being standing right next to you and imagine yourself being in their shoes. Imagine if you were black and imagine if you were treated like that or imagine this. Imagine that black people were the majority. Would you want them to do this to you?
0: That was perfectly said charisma. And I feel like that is the perfect note to end this on and move in to the lightning round. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Let's
0: do it. Lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly influenced you over the years that you would most recommend people to check out? Uh,
1: I'm going to say the law of attraction. I'm that is like my life changing book. And I actually read it over and over again. And because I, I feel that every time I read it, I learn something new or I'm adding more clean water to that dirty water. That is still existence inside of my brain because I tend to have doubt sometimes and i can tell you i have used it read it over and over more in 2020 and 2021 has been phenomenal i mean i got a bay and everything i asked for in that individual like he just showed up and i'm like i'm like wow
0: because i had been
1: asking for it i had been manifesting it money has just been flowing I have this little thing. It's a ching, ching, ching goes a money tree. And every time it chings, it comes to me. So I'm like saying these chimes. So what does money do? It started finding me because I was being happy about it and talking about it. So yeah, the law of protraction and it's by um, Esther Hicks. It's a great read. And it, to me, it didn't ever conflict with my religion or anything else that I believed. It just helped me have a different outlook and understand the power that God blessed me with to have within myself.
0: Awesome. We will link that up in the show notes. Charisma, what is one travel hack that you use that you can recommend to
1: people? My travel hack. So I have these little travel capsules and I am a big fan of only doing, I will pack a whole entire month in a carry-on. And so there is these capsules, these travel capsules that I love and I just go and find them. You can find them on um, Amazon, Amazon, roll your clothes up and you just stuff as much clothes as you can and you zip it and it flattens and i get the entire month in my carry-on my son will get the entire month of his carry-on and we don't have to bring a whole lot of stuff now doesn't mean i don't come home with more luggage i always come home with another piece of luggage because i know i went shopping but i'm not taking around that luggage that would be my number one travel hack
0: All right. If you could go back in time, knowing everything that you know now and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Charisma?
1: I would tell her to go pack her bags and move overseas as soon as possible. Awesome. I was afraid and I stayed stagnant and I prolonged it. And I strongly believe if I had moved overseas, my life would have been completely different than it was today.
0: All right. Of all the places that you have now been, what are your top three favorite travel destinations in the world that you'd most recommend people check out?
1: I would say I had the most fun in Bali, specifically the Gili Islands. When we went there, there's there's no form of transportation other than horse carriages. You're just like dead off remote. Number two, I would say India. That was culture and I actually lost 10 pounds and I was eating like crazy, but we were walking and just having so much fun. And then I would say number three would be, I would say Thailand.
0: And you have also just picked some of the greatest culinary destinations with some of the best food on the
1: planet (laughs) Earth.
0: So, you know, there is also that. But yeah, I agree. Those are all super amazing picks. All right, Charisma, what are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you've never been the highest on your list you would most love to see.
1: Ethiopia, Morocco, and Zimbabwe.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right, we have come to the final and most important question of the interview, Charisma. I'm about to ask you who your top five hip-hop MCs of all time are. But before I do, let me just give you a moment and ask you, what does hip-hop music mean to you? Why do you love hip-hop?
1: Hip-hop is, it moves my soul. It tells a story about what we have been through and it's kind of like this like like you're reading this you're singing this book you're rapping this book it is art at its finest and in a very creative way that some people don't get it but yeah hip-hop just it's just a part of my soul
0: that's amazing. Yeah, I was a hip-hop DJ in the 90s. And uh, it's, I mean, a huge part of my heart and soul as well, which is why this is my favorite question when I have my guests on who are hip-hop fans. It's also a very personal question, right? It's not a, an objective question, who are the most influential, or who are the most commercially successful. It's a very personal question for you personally. Who are your top five favorite MCs of all time?
1: So I'm going to start with MC Light. And I'm going to take that back because MC Light, that reminds me of my fun teen years. Like, yes! That was one of my first introductions into seeing this powerful Black woman unapologetically voice her experiences and for everyone else to have these Me Too moments to go right along with it. And I felt when she would be telling these stories through music, I was like, gosh, did she know I was going through that too? Lauren Hill, gosh, Zion was the song that I sung to my son when he was born. I went through heartbreaks, like through her songs. Common, I oh, loved Common. Conscious, like having these real conversations that I believe that a lot of rappers were talking about, you know, bitches and sex. And he was talking about enlightenment. So, yes, they like these individuals all connected to me. And then there was uh, Biggie. I never knew that I can learn that many rap songs. I thought I was Biggie Smalls. (laughs) I wished I was little Kim up there being able to rap with him and have fun. I actually was at the time I was living in New York and I was trying to learn how to rap because in my brain, I thought that I can learn how to do this. And so I joined this girl group and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the rapper. And we had a little bit of fun. It was quite corny, but we had our days. Then I'm going to end it with Missy Elliott. And Missy, because that woman behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, she just, to me, she did a lot of changes for hip hop and crossed the genres and, and and did things that I don't think that many other women or MCs were doing at that time. But again, when I think about dancing and just having fun and like right along right along with hip hop. But then there's more because I'm like leaving out Jay-Z and Nas. like, ah, oh,
0: this, <laughs> this is a
1: really hard question.
0: So first of all, those are amazing picks. Like I was smiling the whole time that you were going through them and it was warming my heart, the people that you were picking. I think it's amazing. Let me ask you a question. All of the MCs that you named are... East coast or Midwest MCs and you grew up in LA. So I'm curious about that, right? As you were coming up in LA, did you have a greater affinity for the music that was coming from those East coast artists than you did for West coast or like, how was that for you coming up in LA?
1: Yeah. I've always had this really strange attraction to the East coast and when I was a teen, I literally just like I, I wanted to travel. I, I wanted to go somewhere else. And so the Big Apple was one of those destinations. And so I tend to listen to a lot of the music. And I went there on my first week. It was like one of my first trips that I did. And I ran away from home and I stayed for years. I told you, what, I grew up in L.A., but I became a woman in New York City. I learned how to hustle Because when I called home to ask mom and dad for money, because I was like, I'm going to stay here. They was like, well, our money's staying here. (laughs) They was like, good luck. Because I had to tell them and I was dropping out of college. So like they didn't like to hear those conversations, but I had to. And that was the first growth that I had as a woman. And it stuck with me. It's like I was just like the hip hop in my head, which just bounce back and forth. It was like as if it was speaking to me and said, we created this just for you so you could feel good. And it's not that I don't like West Coast rap like I do, but that's not where it began. Like I became a woman listening and enjoying that music.
0: That's so amazing. And I love this too, because I'm also like, my heart is completely in New York city, 1990s hip hop. Like that's where my heart and soul is. Right. And I have tons of respect for the West coast and the South and all these other regions that have done really, you know, incredible stuff. But like my heart and soul is, is the East coast nineties hip hop. So it just made me so happy when you went through those fakes.
1: And a part of it is that they grind. So when you grow up and you live in the snow, you actually, you grind differently. So like, I just related because I was like, wow, these people, it's cold outside. It's below zero, but they're still out here working, shoveling snow, selling music, doing whatever they had to do. They were, were, if it's a rainy day here in California, I know growing up, I'm like, oh, I'm not going outside today. It's raining too hard. So it was just (laughs) a different mindset. And so I, I brought that hustling, like, My wake, one of my themes. So I'm a hustler, baby. Just want you to know like that was my theme song back there because I just wanted to come. And so I tend to even till today, most of my girlfriends, they live on the East Coast and I'm here, but we kind of meet up. I'm just attracted to people that have this hustler. I'm going to be grinding and I'm not going to stop until, you know, I accomplish and manifest everything that my heart desires. And then when I'm done with that, I'm gonna help other people do it. So, yeah.
0: That's amazing. All right, Charisma, I want you to let folks know how they can find you, contact you, follow you, connect with you and check out all of the different awesome stuff that you are up to. How do you want people to come into your universe?
1: Yeah. So across the worldwide web, you can find me at Gotta Have Charisma. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. And it's also my website, gotta have charisma But you can also find me through my brand. It's color me world. So it's colormeworld.com and our Instagram for that is it's a pretty colorful world.
0: Amazing. We are going to link up all of this in the show notes. So everything we have talked about tonight, including all of the ways to follow and contact Charisma and check out all of her amazing content and the incredible things she's up to and get involved in her communities will be at one place. Just go to themaverickshow.com, go to the show notes for this episode. You'll find it there. Charisma, this was a blast. Thank you so much for being on the show. No,
1: this was a blast. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at the maverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at the maverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at TheMaverickShow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place. So you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber to get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals. Schedule your free phone consult today at TheMaverickShow.com forward slash consult.